Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had men and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, email rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. You can find The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday right after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero on groundzero.radio. You can also find The Secret Teachings Archive on aftermath.media now with either an individual option for the subscription, just The Secret Teachings, or that really awesome package deal, the premium subscription that gets you access to our show and to Ground Zero and a bunch of other goodies. That's on Aftermath.media. If you're already a subscriber of The Secret Teachings, thank you so much for subscribing and supporting the show. You can, of course, renew and keep your subscription at www.thesecretteachings.info, our website with all of our promotional material, all of our upcoming and past shows, and the free archive. And if you listen to that free archive, of course, you support us in a lot of ways, including financially, even though you don't have to pay for anything. If you listen to the free archive, or just search The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player or app, you support us because they pay us when you listen, even though it doesn't cost you anything. So it's a great way to support the show, and it doesn't take much of anything from you except a little bit of energy to click play, and that's about it. Also, you can find us, last but not least, on social media, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, and TST underscore underscore radio. That is TST underscore underscore radio on Twitter. Tonight on the broadcast, Thursday, March 16th, 2023, Uh, the week has gone very, very quickly earlier this week. We've actually had guests, I think this is the first time in a long time we've had guests every single day of the week. Uh, Earlier this week, we had Michael Jaco on the show, psychoanalyzing our intuition with Michael Jaco. We had a show on Tuesday called Beyond the Vortex with John Polk. And with our very good longtime friend, Karen Dolman. I think I've known Karen about as long as anybody else in this radio business in the industry. And last night, we did a show called The Gast of Us, like The Last of Us, with Don Lester and David Parker, authors of What Really Makes You Ill. Those shows are in our archives on the website for free or in the subscription archive on our website or aftermath.media. Those are three really powerful shows. Remote viewing, Ouija boards, UFOs, and of course, last night talking a little bit about fungus and germ theory with Don and David. And tonight on the broadcast, another really good friend of mine, I think I've known him as long as I've known Karen, and I've spent a lot of time with them outside of doing radio shows. He is the author of a number of books, especially the esoteric kind of book that I really enjoy. Beyond Esoteric is the copy I have in front of me right now. I also have all the other uh, copies, Future Esoteric as well, uh, Modern Esoteric, and then, of course, the the new one, as I said, Beyond Esoteric, Brad Olson. And he is on the show with us tonight for the entire broadcast, starting right now as I bring him in. Brad Olson, one of my oldest friends in radio, thank you so much for joining us again. How are you? Hey, Ryan, I'm great. And happy to be here up in Sedona this weekend for the Sedona Ascension Retreat, which you're coming up as a reporter and checking it out. And uh, it's good to be back in the Crystal City, as Sedona is called by the locals. It's a uh, new age mecca. Boy, there's a crystal store every second 
shop, it seems, and you can get a psychic reading or aura photos here. <laughs> really neat and cool place. And of course, the scenery here is absolutely beautiful. It's very, very beautiful. I've never heard it referred to, funny enough, as the Crystal City. I've never heard that before, but I guess that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if that's the crystals in all the stores, which could combine to make a city, or if it's a metaphorical or fourth-dimensional realm or something like that. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll hope, it's, hope it's not crystal meth, because I've been to a lot of places where it's <laughs> a different kind of crystal city. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, you've, you've authored a, a number of books, uh, some of my favorite books, the Esoteric Book Series. You've been on the show so many times. We've been friends for a very long time as well. Every time you come on the show, we like to talk about what you have new that's going on. You have this conference tomorrow and over the weekend. And of course, uh, you have, uh, you know, you're, you're always traveling about and, and learning new things. Uh, I'm not always traveling, but I'm always learning new things. So that kind of connects us. I'm always interested to know where you are, where your radar is, what you've been focused on, what you've had your attention on, uh, Brad. Yeah, well, right now it's uh, the start of conference season, which for me started last month at Conscious Life Expo and turn around and come right back here to Sedona in April and then out to Illinois for Journey of Truth uh, and then Mount Shasta a couple times this year and whole bunch of conferences. So that's what I'm doing primarily now. Plus it's the tail end of ski season and one of the most remarkable snow years in the West coast that I can ever remember the amount of snow that's come down. I do believe in some ski resorts, it's uh, on the verge of setting a record for mm. the most amount of precipitation in one year. And we're only in midway through March. We've got, we've actually got some snow down here in Tucson, which on occasion, yes, that happens, but we've had three snows this year, Brad, and it's been storming quite a bit. It's uh, even outside of monsoon season, which we get down here that Al, Al Gore called our, our monsoon season, a rain bomb, uh, just it's monsoon season. It's natural, but snow isn't that natural. We've been getting a lot of snow down here in Tucson, all over the country. Very, very cold, very, very snowy, icy. Well, as, as we've talked about many times, the secret teachings, Ryan, I think we can see pretty uh, well that this is geoengineered, steered into. So for whatever reason, these uh, geoengineer scientists have decided to inundate the West Coast with rain while drying out the East Coast and heating it up. Just a week ago, Tennessee got up to 90 degrees. That's in the beginning of March. So they're screwing with the weather. They're moving stuff around. They're playing God. And uh, it just bothers me that so many people cannot see those lines in the sky. Uh, why is it that the same people that believe in an invisible virus uh, can't believe in the lines they can see in the sky? It's <laughs> a good point. It's just remarkably uh, obvious to me. And then when you throw in those ripply clouds that are reminiscent of sand on the bottom of a lake, uh, I call them frequency clouds. You're getting hit by uh, the harp and the other uh, 5G and antenna towers, and that's how they actually move the clouds. In my book, Beyond Esoteric, I have a whole chapter on geoengineering and have been studying this uh, man-made phenomenon now for uh, over two decades. I do believe it started in the early 1990s, because remember when we were kids, you never saw chemtrails in the sky. And then some days it's on, some days it's off. Sometimes it's really, really obvious. Sometimes it's not so obvious. But uh, recently here in Tucson, 
we've been noticing uh, the the classical grid patterns. It's not it's not not capital not. It's not contrails. There's a huge difference between contrails and chemtrails. This is now acknowledged and admitted. Uh, by uh, by major media outlets that have denied it for years. Now they're acknowledging that this is a real thing uh, that we need to continue to, or we need to introduce some new concepts into the mix so that we can block the sun out and so that we can uh, keep the planet cool, which does seem to be where the planet is heading, according to numerous scientists. A couple of uh, half a decade ago, a couple of years ago, some scientists had said that the Earth is heading into a cool down phase, uh, a miniature ice age, or some suggest we're not, we never even came out of the last ice age. We've just gone through a period of uh, much more uh, warm weather, and now we're heading back into some cold weather. That's kind of like the breath and the natural cycle of, of life and, and nature, I think, mixed with man-made engineering, of course. Of course. And you can just see the writing on the wall with this whole notion of carbon credit and that we're going to be penalized for driving our cars. Yeah. They want to round us up into these 15-minute cities, which means that they'll penalize you so much that you can't afford to have a car anymore, and then they just want you to walk or bike within 15 mm. minutes of your residence. Yeah, this is a rel- then, relatively new thing. I hadn't heard about that until somewhat recently, like early this year. You know the first city in the U.S. that's uh, proposing it? No, I could, I could it, guess, but go ahead and tell us. <laughs> well, how about take a guess? <laughs> the first what? first city proposing the 15 minute city yep uh i mean my intuition's like portland 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 uh, <laughs> i don't i don't know portland austin uh, that is a good guess but it's actually cleveland ohio cleveland ohio. named the mistake by the lake <laughs> there in ohio and guess what uh in the bylaws of the 15 minute city says that if you happen to live in a toxified area, that you can be forcibly removed to move into some stack'em and pack'em high-rise in Cleveland. Oh. And, uh, wow, isn't that interesting that uh, ooh, only uh, 45 minutes away, they had one of the worst environmental catastrophes six weeks ago in East Palestine, Ohio. So, if you, once again, you can see the writing on the wall. They're setting these people up to be dislocated out of the country community. Who lives in Pennsylvania and Ohio the most? The Amish and the Mennonites, the, the people who are decidedly off the grid, not polluting, doing everything organically, and now their land and livestock have been compromised. I want to talk about that with you, actually, in, in, in some detail. Before we do that, though, uh, Brad Olson is our guest this evening. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Let's quickly pause. And we were having some issues with the sound quality earlier. Can we switch over to Skype? We'll just do that live here on air. Switch to Skype, Brad, and then we'll continue the conversation. Yeah, you bet. All right. I'm going to go ahead and disconnect the phone. Just call me back on Skype and we'll get you right back. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, we want to make sure we got the best sound quality, obviously. And sometimes uh, we have to jump back and forth. Uh, you know, when the show's done too, I'll run a compressor on it and, uh, adjust it for the archive as well. Uh, let's see here if we have Brad on Skype, Brad, can you hear me? Okay. Part of it is my voice is just kind of hoarse. I've been up so long and oh, that's okay. talking to my friends tonight. So maybe, maybe I'm coming across as a little, uh, different voice. No, no, no. Your voice sounds good. It was just, it's the crackling of the phone and it's, you know, it has a wireless connection to the board. So I'd rather the wired Skype connection and, uh, 
we'll adjust any background noise later and, and post for the archive. Uh, anyway, though, the, the East Palestine situation. So I wanted to ask you, because you bring up California and all the snow and all the ice and all that. How, how is it that California is under a state of emergency for something that is apparently natural, uh, that a few people, you know, it's kind of uncommon. A few people die. It's sad. But in East Palestine, you have a man-made disaster that apparently is not an environmental or conservation or ecological emergency or disaster. In fact, it's not even really on the radar or the map of uh, of anybody in the media. But some snow in California is climate change, but a man-made disaster in East Palestine is just, uh, they deserve it because they're conservative or something. I don't know. Yeah, and the EPA uh, said that, oh, it's fine to breathe the air and drink hmm. the water. Of course. Uh, but, but gas, propane, stoves, we, we're going to have to outlaw those, Ryan. <laughs> yes, yes. Against the Green New Deal. We can't, we can't have that. No more propane. Because, of course, propane burns at the same heat as jet fuel. And after we learned from 9-11, if jet fuel is the only fire propellant in the 9-11 Twin Towers, then every steel frame building is going to start tumbling down. So, you know, things are just so inverted now, Ryan, that what is really dangerous and toxin, oh, that's fine. But what we've been doing for over 100 years, burning with propane, now all of a sudden that needs to go away. So we have a government that is working against the best wishes and will of the people and it's the state of affairs that we find ourselves in today where everything becomes inverted. And what is good is now bad. And what's bad is now said to be good. So it's just kind of cuckoo. Would, would you say, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily, maybe call me a hipster. I don't like labels, but you know, like traditionally, I guess you would, you could call me a, a traditional a liberal or a, a something to that effect. And, you know, I, I care about the environment. I'm really not a pro-war. And for some reason, that whole idea or ideology of being, you know, for the environment, if you will, and being against war and uh, against the the poisoning, not only of, of the planet, but of ourselves, big pharmaceutical companies. I'm not, I'm not saying everything's evil. It's not a huge dichotomy between left and right, black and white. But generally speaking, like these are my natural views. And it seems like people who used to believe those things now are not only uh, pro-war, they're pro-pollution, and but they're, they hate carbon dioxide, but they're pro-pollution, but then no gas stoves, like you just said. There's some kind of weird thing that has happened, like, in the last few years, you know what I'm saying? Where people that used to think this way, just it's been completely turned over on its head. It's completely upside down. Anti-war is now pro-war. You know, clean environment is now pollute the environment. As long as it's in the name of some ideology or whatever the news says, it's weird, Brad. It, it really is weird. And in the beginning of Beyond Esoteric, I outlined the neo-fascist agenda that we find ourselves in. And when I wrote this, these chapters just a few short years ago, it just seemed so fantastic, but the research was panning itself out, and now we find ourselves living in this world. Like David Icke said, that the planners of this new world order, they have been plotting and scheming for a long time, but he always said that there will come a day that they're going to come above ground, and then there all these plans are going to be open to see that we're just going to be in the beginning phases of implementing this new world order agenda. And that's exactly what we see happening now. So once again, David Icke has been vindicated. He has been a, a prophet in this field in so many different ways. And I know you've had him on the secret teachings 
and spoken with him. Yeah, several times we've had a uh, we've had Mr. Ike on the show. I mean, a lot of people. So I like to avoid uh, perceptual dichotomy, if you will. So a lot of people like Alex Jones, people like David Ike, very very big name people. Uh, there are some things I disagree with David Ike. Maybe a few little things, and there's a couple things I certainly disagree with Alex on. But generally speaking, whether you like them or not, they, they, these guys have been vindicated. Uh, Brad, anything I'm sure that you've had controversy over with the uh, with your books over the years, you've been vindicated. Uh, I've been vindicated, just amongst my friends at the very least. Uh, and it's not a to me, it's not a good feeling. I, I don't really want any of this stuff to be true, but now it is so naked. The emperor, I don't, I, I've been saying the emperor doesn't have any clothes on, but the emperor, I don't think the emperor even has skin. It's so naked. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe is of another species. Or a yeah, 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 exactly. I, <laughs> the emperor has no skin. I like that. Yeah, because nothing makes sense anymore. And that's exactly the point. They want to get us confused. They want to put us in a strategy of tension where all the things that could go wrong do go wrong. And these toxic spills keep happening over and over again. Have you noticed how many of these train derailments have occurred just in the last few months? It's kind of like when all those school shootings were going on during uh, Obama's mm. reign. Yeah, and whatever happened to that, that sort of moved over to the next uh, shock and awe. And now we're getting these train derailments. I think it's predictive programming, Ryan. I think they're going to hit us with more of these derailments and on the toxification level as in East Palestine. Well, if you take a look at these, like a, a train derailment, you know, as, as a person who just isn't really aware of what's going on, which is the average person, it doesn't make them bad and us good. It just means people are busy and they don't have a lot of time. So the average person, they look at that and they think, well, that's a tragedy. You know, maybe they have a certain political angle, a political view on it. But generally speaking, the average person sees that it's a tragedy. They move on. It doesn't necessarily affect them. But then when you show them, OK, there's actually a, there's another train derailment and a, and a third one and a fourth one and a fifth one. And, you know, the logical question, Brad, is, well, uh, is this normal? Does this happen often? And sure, train derailments happen. But uh, officially, we've had way more train derailments than is normal, uh, way more than average. And when you couple that with the fact that we've had alternative energy facilities that have gone up in flames, we've had food manufacturers, processors and distributors that have seemingly have been sabotaged, hit with planes. They've exploded. They've been caught on fire uh, 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 facilities that manufacture chemicals. Uh, we've had power stations on the east and west coast attacked by quote unquote terrorists and now we've had uh the situation with uh, some of these banks uh recently that have uh, that have gone belly up it feels like everything from infrastructure to energy to food to power to banking the whole system is being sabotaged that's exactly right and don't forget the supply chain with all the uh, other essential items now starting to see bare shelves for the first time, not only in supermarkets, but in hardware stores, auto parts stores. I had to get a part for my uh, Forerunner, and it was the very last one. And I said, oh, boy, good thing I got it. And he said, oh, yeah, you probably won't be able to get this for six months. So just everyday things are starting to become scarce. And like I said, it is by design. I was watching this documentary about Operation Gladio. Mm, yes. Was, remember, recall in uh, Europe in the 70s and early 1980s, all these uh, train station bombs going off and killing pe innocent people and then blaming it on the communists. It, it, perfect uh, 
problem reaction solution because they wanted to turn people against the communists, just as they did in the McCarthy era here in this country. And in this documentary by the BBC, I think you can still pull it up on YouTube about Operation Gladio, they caught some of the mid-level operatives and they were in jail being interviewed. And I'll never forget what he said because they asked him, what were the orders? What was this all about? What were you trying to achieve? And apart from spreading anti-communist rhetoric and, and feelings among the people, he said it was a strategy of tension to keep people on their toes, to just keep them in the fear state so they don't make the rational decisions and just the knee-jerk reaction, oh, communist, bad, must, hate, and rally against. So these, these are these false flag operation manual <laughs> of operations, how to do it. And we're seeing it occurring right here. So all the things you just mentioned that are happening in this country are part of this strategy of tension. Throw in toxic derailments, throw in extreme weather events, throw in what could be an EMP attack because they're sending these Chinese balloons over. Yeah, right. That their spy balloons are going to do the EMP. Setting it up, setting it up in the minds of people. And Brian, you know, I have been in this a long, long time and have seen how predictive programming works. They do these things to get us used to the idea so when it does happen, they can easily blame it on whatever enemy or cause that they want to do. This is uh, what, okay, so what you said about uh, the basically the perpetuation of fear and, and conflict in the general populace, this is literally directly taken out of 1984 by George Orwell or Eric Blair. He said the war is not meant to be won. It is meant to be continuous. Hierarchical society is only possible on the basis of poverty and ignorance. And this is why you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. The idea of everybody, I mean, the idea of communism being the enemy uh, in those days that you're referencing, now the enemy is capitalism and communism is good. Personally, uh, I mean, there might be positive aspects to communal living, but communism, as in the Marxist, Maoist, Stalinist sense, is, is terror on a level that's unimaginable. We've seen what it's done throughout history. But regardless of what the enemy is, communism, capitalism, etc., again, the war is not meant to be won. It's meant to be continuous. It's meant to destroy the producers. It's meant to destroy the people. It's meant to eliminate our ability to communicate, our ability to uh, organize, our ability to have uh, anything, let alone abundance and wealth. It's meant to destroy the production of, of human labor in all of its capacities. Uh, that is uh, the ultimate authoritarian. And in this case, what we're talking about global super state, which is being built the whole world. That is your global new world order. And it's not a conspiracy anymore. It is, again, the emperor has no skin. And like David Icke says, it's out in the open. If you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you cannot ignore what is coming down the pike. This can be the worst form of fascism combined with technology and transhumanism and all they've done with the shots in people. The worst nightmare, worst George Orwell nightmare where he'd be rolling over in his grave. And I love the meme showing him and he goes, I wrote 1984 as a warning to humanity, not as a bloody operation manual. They've and they've taken that operation manual and they put it on steroids. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so if this new world order was allowed to succeed, they are going to crash the economy. That's part of the plan. They are going to introduce 
a central bank digital currency, which they can turn on and turn off at will. If they don't like what we're saying here on The Secret Teachings, both of us could find ourselves broke when we go out to buy something in an hour. So it's the worst form of tyranny that's ever imagined. I think George Orwell would certainly be very, very upset seeing the world that uh, we're entering now. But I think the cracks are starting to form. There is a resistance. There is a white hat movement. And just the fact that we're allowed to have this conversation and put it over the airways suggests to me that we might be uh, not necessarily winning yet, but uh, that at least we're uh, going even keel. And right now, Ryan, I think we're in the, the race between waking up humanity, the great awakening, because we have the numbers. We certainly have more of us. And if we awake and just go against their programs, they can't do anything about it. But they're implementing it so fast that uh, we really are in a race with time to stop this before it's too late. Brad Olson is our guest this evening, a good friend of mine. He's a friend of the show. He's been here many, many times in the past. He's the author of the Esoteric Book Series. We're going to take one break tonight, and we're going to take it at the top of this hour. So if you're waiting for a break, we're going to skip over that. We just have so much to talk about with Brad uh, tonight on the show. One of the things that really concerns me, though, is I, personally, I don't like the term white hat, uh, but there's something about, uh, do you know what the 100 Flowers campaign is uh, from communist China? Have you ever read about that? Give me a brief. So the Hunter Flowers campaign was basically Mao, after he had taken power, Mao had said, what do you think of this communist utopia we're building? And nobody wanted to speak their mind because, you know, people would end up murdered. And he said, no, 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 I'm not going to murder you. I just really want to know what you think. And so people wrote letters into the state and they sent them to the capital. And uh, they had teams of people that read the letters, presumably, and then they used those letters to target those individuals. Of course, he was lying. Of course, he was lying. And uh, they rounded them up and people disappeared. People had, uh, you know, had, um, you know, they had their property seized, whatever they had left after collectivization. In other words, the Hunter Flowers campaign was basically lying to people and telling them, we want your feedback. And then when people gave them their feedback, then they came and got rid of those people because they were opposition to the state. And that was within the party as well. And, I, and there's a similar thing, Operation Trust in the 20s, the communists used this in the Soviet Union. Operation Trust was to go out and to find people that were uh, believing things, even if they believed in communism in the party, if they slightly had a different interpretation or opinion, they would be targeted, hunted down, disappeared, etc. And I, and I can't help but think there might be a little bit of this in the intelligence agency like, in my opinion, Brad, I think QAnon trusts the plan. I think it's Operation Trust the Plan. It's another version of that. It's a sophisticated version of it. And it helps to round up people like you and I who are interested in, uh, you know, real history, who are interested in, uh, you know, self-empowerment, who are interested in uh, what goes on behind the scenes in media. Uh, and, it, and I think a lot of social media today and a lot of the things that we're interested in uh, are used to draw other people in so that they can be isolated and targeted uh, and hunted down by the by the system figuratively and maybe maybe literally but figuratively speaking uh, does that make any sense could you speak to that that's my view uh, from where I'm sitting well with communism you have absolute control with a single leader and that is a very dangerous proposition to be able to uh, trick the people into writing in and then disappearing them off 
I mean, this is what we've seen with fascist leaders from Pinochet in Chile to Mao, as you mentioned, or uh, Mao Zedong or uh, Stalin, uh, one of the biggest mass murderers of all time, tricking the people into thinking that this collectivism is good and then stealing what they got and imprisoning the rest. So America really is the last beacon of hope. We are this uh, shining beacon on the hill, really. If we lose America, I don't see how any other country could possibly stand up to this globalist New World Order government that they're coming down the pike. But the people are waking up and resisting. I mean, there are protests in Europe right now, Ryan, in 30 cities in Paris, some of them as big as a half a million people. And a media blackout of that over here. And a total media blackout here, right. They don't want to give uh, Americans any ideas of what they have to do to redress their government because the, in a, and then in uh, Kazakhstan where this new world order city, the one world religion in this city called Ashtana, which uh, Leo Lyonzagami was, he has the book through CCC publishing called the last Pope. And he describes this city in Kazakhstan that has all these religious icons. And he was saying how it was going to be the new, one world religion center. You see how they love to consolidate power into a one world currency, a one world government, which is the UN, the one world religion, which will be the Vatican and the Muslims. So we're all supposed to go and worship Chrislam. Uh, something about that doesn't really sound authentic. But they were trying to push really hard for digital currency in Kazakhstan. And the people revolted and they threw those bums right out of office. So there are examples around the world where this plan is being put in place and then there's all sorts of uh, blowback, including the uh, 15 or 20 minute cities. There was a city council meeting. It was somewhere in the UK. Guy had a real thick Scottish accent, I would think probably in Scotland or Wales just yelling at his elected official. What gave you the right to put in this 20-minute city proposal and just ripping this uh, politician a new one? And she really had nothing to say. And he says, well, you're coming up for election here in a couple months, and we're just going to get you out of here. So when people are paying attention and realizing some of these leaders, which are coming right out of the World Economic For Us group, like uh, Justin Castro or uh, uh, Trudeau, whatever his last name is, <laughs> yeah. his father is. He even said, oh, communist China, that is the model. That is what we're going for. He just flat out said that this is what these new world order globalists that, that's, want. And that's where most of the money was for that Silicon Valley bank. I think it was mostly Chinese, not Chinese necessarily, but Chinese communist investments. It's Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, same and Hollywood is filled with it. I mean, it's nothing against the Chinese people. They with Mao's four olds, culture, traditions, etc. They destroyed Chinese culture. I actually went to see uh, Shen Yun, Brad, which is the traditional Chinese dance. I went to see it up in Phoenix a few months ago, uh, and they actually had a whole uh, dance routine about what the communists did to uh, to China in the 1940s and 50s. Well, really, up until today. Uh, so it's not obviously it's not the Chinese people. It's the communist government that controls China. Uh, and that's that's the problem. Just to differentiate that for listeners who might have a hard time understanding that it's not Chinese people. <laughs> it's the Chinese communist government. Just like it's not really it's not really the 
you know, America. Uh, it's things that are contrary to the American idea. Uh, that's the problem, if that makes sense. Oh, it does make great sense. And in America, a lot of people don't even know that our government is actually a corporation. And we are the cogs in the wheel. We are the chattel. We are even traded on Dun and Bradstreet via our social security number, which is your your corporate ID. Really, that's what it is. And therefore, when you go to court, all your name is in caps. We've talked about this in our Good dear friend Jordan Maxwell, who's passed away, was a legend in helping people understand that they have this straw man or corporate identity. And we get hoodwinked into thinking that we're in some kind of a democracy and we can have a say in matter. Well, it's a good way to placate the people is to make them think that their vote matters. But uh, we've seen otherwise in the last couple of elections. And I bet it's been going on for quite a long time. Yeah, there's actually some parallels here. Uh, I don't, I'm not talking about politics, but just an observation from the outside looking in. I've noticed that there are a lot of, like, for example, a lot of political candidates like Fetterman in Pennsylvania, like Katie Hobbs here in Arizona, just like Joe Biden running for, running for president. Sure. And they refused, all three of them, there's just three examples, refused to debate. Uh, or if they did debate, I think Fetterman did one small debate. They have nothing to say. They Or they, in case of Joe Biden, they literally, if they do a debate, can't speak. They just stumble over themselves. Uh, they don't they don't have anybody that shows up to their rallies or it's literally staged. They'll have like 30 people that are all media there or a few fake supporters. And you just wonder how they can win in these. I mean, maybe not in the case of Fetterman, but in the case of Katie Hobbs here in Arizona for governor and the case of Joe Biden, they win in like arguable landslides. It just doesn't make any sense. Like even Katie Hobbs here in Arizona, Brad, she she gets booed when she goes to events. She gets booed when she goes to university. She gets booed at the at the big sporting uh, uh, games that she goes to. She gets nobody that shows up now, even though she's quote unquote governor to her uh, to her talks. And yet Carrie Lake, who supposedly lost, she still pulls five, ten thousand people in when she goes somewhere. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't translate. It doesn't make sense. Well, it doesn't make sense because it was stolen. And this is what we're seeing has happened since at least the 2020 election. But I would say even going back decades, for example, here in Arizona, you had this multi-term senator named John McCain, the McStain. He was despised by everybody I know in Arizona. Nobody liked him. They said nobody ever voted for him. Yet he just keeps winning. And he even had a He was the maverick when he ran for uh, president, thankfully lost. You know, his funeral, much like George Bush Sr., had a wrinkled flag on it. And that means dishonorably discharged and quite possibly put to death. They called him Songbird McCain. He sang (laughs) like a bird. (laughs) Sang like a bird, but it didn't save him. But there were pictures of him with... uh, with Al Qaeda and, oh, and yeah. terrorists that we are supposedly fighting this war against. And there's McStain taking picture photo ops with them. See, this, this is the problem. And uh, we have a lot of people that think when you question an election or the integrity of election, that it's, you must be a Republican questioning, you know, uh, whether or not a Democrat honestly won. People have always questioned elections, even if it's just like, well, really did that we, we actually voted for that person. Uh, but when it comes to uh, election, the elections in the last couple of years, 
And you see this disparity. You see how these candidates don't get anybody that shows up. Nobody supports them. You don't talk to anybody. You don't see bumper stickers, signs, etc. And yet they still win in a landslide. Like even the average person that, that I know is thinking, hmm, I don't really know anything about politics, but the person who got 15,000 people at a rally probably should have won over a person who didn't even have a rally. It doesn't, it just doesn't logically make sense. But then again, you know, you go back to 2016 and what did Democrats do for, for four years plus? They said Hillary Clinton actually won. Donald Trump didn't win. It's, yeah. it's both sides, Brad. And yeah. Republicans, I'm sure they have uh, their own version of rigging the system. It's not being elected. It's being selected. I think that's the takeaway from all this, that yeah. you have to have your hand in certain pockets and you have to be controllable. Like the old uh, joke from Bill Hicks, he would say uh, that a new president is brought into uh, a smoky <laughs> room. Remember that routine he did? Yeah. <laughs> they would play a video of the Kennedy assassination from an angle you've never seen before. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, the screen goes up and uh, the cabal assembled in the room says, any questions, Mr. President? Nope. Just what's my next agenda. Who do we bomb? Bomb Iraq. Yeah. Who do we bomb next? (laughs) We bomb next. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's uh, is a cliche. uh, And there's certainly uh, much exaggeration and dramatization of that. uh, But it's, I think, a very real thing. I'm, I'm not saying it's a boardroom of shady, shadowy people, but look how naked things have become. Like, look at the way in which our Congress can give away hundreds of billions to a foreign country uh, with questionable, questionable leadership at the very least to be very nice. Uh, and the fact that they can be a country that literally we can see the videos and pictures, essentially their military is run by actual real life, modern day uh, occult Nazis. And then our Congress, as well as a lot of people in politics in general, don't want to audit where that money's going. Like that is that's such naked corruption of both sides of the political spectrum uh, it's again, I think it goes back to the the whole infrastructure, uh, supply chains, trains, alternative energy plants, food, power plants, banking, how it seems to be, be the whole thing seems to be sabotaged. And I think our faith in the electoral process has been sabotaged. Our faith in everything is being sabotaged. It's being undermined. So we think, oh, the, the, the America just failed. The idea of America failed. So we have to replace it with something else. And I think a lot of it, Brad, is really just in the mind. It's really just giving giving people this perception of it by showing them this is what's happening. The whole system's falling apart. Yeah, and the train derailments is a great example. Oh, our aging infrastructure, but we we're, we're broke. We can't fix it. No, we're not. That's the most important thing to keep this country running is our infrastructure. How is this all crumbling apart yet? We find these untold billions to give to the Ukraine conflict now. So everything's upside down right now. It's It makes no sense. And the American people are pissed. But look, they rigged the election. So what can we do about it? I mean, we're not much better than the communist China, except they're not rounding us up and taking us off to work camps. It's really almost about the only difference. And uh, well, if we, OK, so think about America as a concept for a second, Brad, and all the things we hear that are that's bad about America. No country is perfect, et cetera. But when we talk about supply chain issues here, usually that means you don't have as many options at the store. So it affects us 
but it doesn't affect us in the way that it might affect uh, a developing country or a third world country. You know, we might have to pay more for gas and that affects the, the poorest people. Uh, we have to uh, pay for um, for, you know, war in Ukraine, et cetera. And that affects uh, the value of the dollar and a lot of other things. And, and that makes life harder for us. But we have life so good here in America, generally speaking, that I think it's hard for a lot of people to contextualize what it's like to live in other countries, whether that's a third world country where it's communist China. And uh, that's a really important thing, I think, for for listeners to I say it all the time to try to grapple with. Although it's really bad in some ways here, it's still a lot better than a lot of other countries. I was just talking to Leo Zagami about this too, and he said, you know, as bad as it might be here, he's like, it's a lot better than it is in Europe. And we shouldn't accept that. We should want to do better, but we have to have that context, I think. And Europe's a lot better than a lot of other countries. Yes, sir. I've been to all seven continents now, including Antarctica, although there's not a population down there. But I've seen how the other half lives, and a lot of people have no choice in their lives. For example, if you're born in a little town in India, it's about a 99% chance you're going to die in that little town in India and do exactly the same kind of work your dad did. And I'll tell you, that is the story worldwide. Was it about 60% of all the world population lives on $2 a day, including feeding their family? So you can't imagine how much affluence we have in this country until you get out and see the other side. And I can tell you from experience, we are very lucky to have been born in this country. However, we can see what this government is doing and what they're trying to do and where they're attempting to move us. Because look, in any corporation, which is what the United States is, you are beholden to your board of directors, to your investors, to your stockholders. Well, geez, who owns all the bonds to America? Hmm, happens to be China. Isn't it interesting that they're trying to push us towards this totalitarian society, government, uh, one one party, which would be uh, akin to exactly what they're doing in China? So the the stockholders of America, those who hold our bonds and pull the strings and say, these are the decisions we're making on the board, then they get the kind of uh, elected, and I use air quotes for elected officials that we get, like this Biden show and not even uh, stepping foot in the Pentagon or the White House doing stages out in uh, Los Angeles at the Castle Rock Studios and down in Georgia at uh, the uh, the Perry Studios where they have a an almost exact replica of the White House. That's so, yeah, and I thought that was fake. I saw pictures of that like a year and a half ago. It's completely real. It's literally a stage. It sure is. It's absolutely real. I've seen uh, the schematics of it from all different sides. That's the outside shot, and then in the uh, Castle Rock Studios in Culver City, California. They have the inside set, and every once in a while, you can see a little bit of the of the wall uh, going up to a sound stage, and things aren't quite exactly the same as they are in the West Wing and in the Oval Office. These are all movie sets, so this is the extent they've gone with this trickery to try to make us believe that this uh, current administration is legitimate, where it's anything but. And you know. 
you really can only keep up a lie or an illusion for so long. That's why we're seeing so many inconsistencies with Biden, how he looks different with different ears. And well, but they have masks that are so incredibly realistic. You wouldn't even be able to tell if it was an actor like Jim Carrey wearing a Joe Biden mask. Yeah. And, I, I mean, we should also say that I'm sure that there are a lot of fake images and things of, of that fake White House, a lot of things that are circulated that are fake and made up. But what Brad is saying is very true. In fact, this, is, this isn't even a, certainly not a theory, certainly not a conspiracy theory. And it's not from some fringe website like this. I read that and I think it was Bloomberg or something. They said, why the White House needs a fake White House or something like that. <laughs> yeah, well, they do reveal the, the method, the revelation of the method, and it's an occultic practice of putting it right out there in your face or making references to it because then they can say, hey, we told you what we were up to. If you are too dumb to figure it out, well, that's on you. And that's their way of thinking about how they can lie and deceive and trick the American people into believing this false reality. Yeah, it's almost like a serial killer trying, like that idea in a, a movie, a serial killer is trying to get the police to catch him, it's like a game. The psychopaths, you know, have that tend to have that kind of mentality. They show you, look at what we're doing, look at how we're abusing you. What are you going to do about it? And and we're being ruled by this cabal of psychopaths who absolutely have no compassion. They don't care. And and how low can you go to do a false flag like East Palestine and put up a plume of death that kills everything in a fifty mile radius? The very next day, people's chickens that they kept in a coop, all dead. They did, you've seen the rainbow water where they poke around in the streams around there. Yeah, I saw that. No newts, no reptiles, no amphibians, no fish. It's all dead. And now that poison stream has gotten into the Ohio River and it's making its way down the Mississippi. They've detected that. I mean, the first week uh, I listened to what the governor of West Virginia said. And he said they were already t- detecting those chemicals in uh, low to medium concentrations, like immediately. And I'm sure that they're much higher now. And of course, the Ohio River feeds what uh, it's like a tenth of all of our water in the United States. And uh, it'll have a, a much more damaging effect. And where again, where are the conservationists, ecologists, environmentalists? They're concerned about CO2 and man-made CO2, but not a man-made disaster that was done either to save money or to save time or both and or to literally just set off a toxic bomb as part of an operation of sabotage. Not to mention, I don't know what you call this, Brad, I I guess you could call it predictive programming or you could call it magic and people are trying to summon and conjure these things. But listen to the and watch this movie, White Noise. They literally filmed the train wreck in white noise about a town with a train wreck and chemicals, and they had to evacuate in East Palestine. Some of the residents there were in the movie. That's, <laughs> that's unbelievable. That's not it's a coincidence. A, no, no coincidence at all. And then how, how come the environmentalists aren't up in arms about uh, the geoengineering and the chemtrails? You never once heard Greta call out geoengineering. Oh, but it's all your fault. Shame on you. And we need to implement these carbon credits and we'll take away your gas burning car. And how dare you? There you go. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. Your gas burning car, et cetera. We had to bring in her real quick because, yeah, she's shaming us, you and me. Why? Because our only option for affordable transportation has been a gas burning car. I mean, even the, the even the electric cars 
the way they create so much waste when they're uh, disposed of and how the propensity of them to catch fire, not even be able to put them out. They'll catch the other cars charging next to them. And many of those videos we've seen. It's, so, well, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, we're just being blamed for all this. Oh, it's your fault. All the carbon. Oh, that's all your fault. The corporations forced this on us. And now we're meant to pay the price. We're meant to pay this carbon tax. And they're going to use it to lock us down and to take our freedoms away in this 15-minute city plan. What a bogus idea. Every one of your listeners out there, you absolutely have to oppose this, as well as the central bank digital currency. It is the worst form of neo-fascism slavery that has ever been concocted. And they have the ways and means of doing it. But we have to go along with it. And if people go along with it, they have just wrote, written their own uh, jail sentence. Sacrificed your own sovereignty as an individual and as a, as a people, as a country. Yep. And you know what, Brad? I also think that this is just my, my theory, if you will, my observation. I'd like to get your take on this. But when you look at SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19 or the pandemic, with masking and social distancing and vaccines and all this, not only is there historical precedent for this in, in Beijing in 1952, they did something very similar uh, to the Chinese, but the idea of SARS-CoV-2, I think of it more so as a precursor to CO2, because again, it's like, don't breathe as much, don't have kids because there's you know, poison coming out of your body. So it's like, it could be SARS-CoV-2 coming out of your mouth and nose, or it could be just CO2. It's really bad. SARS-CoV-2, CO2. And of course, not just masks, but the, uh, I heard, uh, and I read an article that said geoengineering is really the vaccine for the planet. So it's a version of a vaccine. That's the, that's the solution. Let big technology companies, big biotech, big science, et cetera, save us from ourselves. And of course, social distancing, we got to stay away from each other, stay in our homes, don't drive, don't travel. Uh, that's the lo you know lockdowns. That's the only way we can stop the climate from changing. So SARS-CoV-2 is really just a, a, a beta test, if you will, for CO2 and for the climate change uh, narrative, uh, if that makes sense. It's a little more, I mean, I have a lot more details. I've done a whole show on it, but just in a nutshell, what do you think of that? Yeah. And it's always for your safety, for your good, and they know better, and they can implement these lockdowns to keep us all safe. And you can just read the writing on the wall that we are safe. We're fine. We don't need this kind of government to be so heavy-handed in, in our daily affairs. And if they get into our uh, money supply system and this digital currency, we are so screwed. We really are. And the, the only way we can do it is do not accept it. We have to keep cash. We have to keep bartering and using uh, sound currency. I know your listeners are sophisticated enough to, to know that gold and silver are the investments that will hold their value through all of this uh, financial escapades. And we're just watching the opening salvos right now with these uh, first banks that are collapsing, they do want to get rid of all the smaller banks and uh, implement just the big six and, and have those big six banks control everything. So you're going to see a lot of uh, smaller banks and credit unions are really going to feel the squeeze. If they don't have a very balanced uh, balance sheet, they could 
very easily succumb to the pressures that are coming. Brad Olson is our guest this evening. He is the author of many books. The Esoteric series, of course, is so related to our work that I always promote it. Uh, Brad does not pay me to say that. I say that because I really enjoy his work. Uh, and just like any of the other guests we get on the show, I really enjoy their work, so I promote it. Brad, we have a whole other hour coming up after this break, but we have to take that break. So let us know very quickly the website and where listeners can find your stuff. Yeah, sure. If you want to know more about me and the projects I'm working on and the conferences I'll be speaking at, go to bradolson.com. And for the books, cccpublishing.com. And if there is a book that I wrote on that website that you purchase, uh, that goes through my office so I can sign copies for people as I get them sent out. Excellent. I've got my Brad Olson signed copies right here on my (laughs) desk. Thank you, Brad. We'll be right back here on The Secret Teachings. Brad Olson is our guest. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. I'm not sure where it's going to go, and uh, I think that's a very positive thing. We'll see where our intuition and we'll see where the improv, if you will, takes us. TheSecretTeachings.info is our website. Please subscribe at Aftermath.media. Please grab a copy of one of my books. You support us. You keep us on air that way. And stay tuned. We'll be right back. From the occult and theology to history and the paranormal, The Secret Teachings Radio Show brings you that and more Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking to learn more in 2023, then look no further than books from The Secret Teachings. The Technological Elixir explores UFOs, artificial intelligence, and demonic contracts in the entertainment industry. Liberty Shrugged is an illuminating and nonpartisan look into American history, focusing on natural law, slavery, and the war for independence. Food Philosophy is not a diet book, but it does help alleviate confusion over food industry propaganda with specific focus on bizarre ingredients that are put into your foods. And Occult Arcana is a compendium of esoteric wisdom, from theology and sympathetic magic to witchcraft, voodoo, and the origins of holidays. Get physical and digital copies of these books only at www.thesecretteachings.info. And remember, all physical books also come with a digital copy as well. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a Secret Teaching subscription, you can still keep that subscription. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today. I need it! This is David Icke, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Why else would you show up with that thing on your back just three days before President Business is going to use the crackle to end the world? President Business is going to end the world? But he's such a good guy. And Octan, they make good stuff. Music, dairy products, coffee, TV shows, surveillance systems, all history books, voting machines. Wait a minute. 
Welcome to the darkness. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and call up to the fall of back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. listening to the secret teachings radio i'm your host ryan gable thank you so much for joining us this morning this afternoon tonight whenever and wherever you are listening around the world whether that's on ground zero radio aftermath.media the secret teachings.info or on one of the many radio or podcast players or applications thank you so much for listening if you listen for free you're not a subscriber you just tuned in you're supporting the show by listening And if you'd like to support us more directly, you can, of course, subscribe or grab a copy of one of my books like Occult Arcana, which is newly updated and revised. The Technological Elixir, which is a massive, massive book. It's also updated and revised. And my new book, Liberty Shrugged, is available on our website, thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to contact me, rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. And for those of you who are looking to, a lot of you already have, but looking to support us, we do our fundraiser for Contact in the Desert every year. And uh, we reached uh, most of our goal goal really quickly, actually, uh, within like a week. We've reached uh, $400 of $500. we got a little bit left to go. So if you'd like to support us, to send us to that conference, which we have done every year except when they haven't had it, you can either use our PayPal email, or there's a link on the website for that. The PayPal email is the same, rdgable at yahoo.com, or the money sign, rdgable for Cash App. I know some people prefer that over PayPal, uh, but you can use that email to email me if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. Brad Olson, my good friend and uh, author of many, many books. He's a prolific author, traveled all over the world. He is with us this evening. We're having a just an open general conversation with Brad. He's going to be speaking this weekend at the Sedona Ascension Retreat. I'll be there as well. If you're going to be in town in Sedona or near Sedona, you should come over to the event center and say hi to Brad, say hi to myself and some of the other speakers there. Uh, a lot of a lot of great people. There's some people there, to be honest with you, I don't agree with, and a lot of people there that are really great, and it should be a really fun time. Uh, Brad, I wanted to, just in the the spirit of making sure we have everything correct, I wanted to tell you that, uh, I wanted to correct you, that you said there are not a lot of people in, Antar- in Antarctica, but from the last time I checked, uh, Joe Biden got like 30 million votes from there. So <laughs> I don't know what you saw down there, but the 30 million people voted for Joe Biden. Yeah, the ghosts of Antarctica. That, yeah, of course, yeah. they would uh, vote for him for sure, because John Kerry went down there. During, oh, yeah. Uh, that's right. Yeah. He can't he campaigned at Lake Vostok, I heard. <laughs> the underground bases there, yeah, to <laughs> report to uh, the the real generals in the show here. But Ryan, I got to say your books are incredible too, and you should bring a bunch up 
and display them at the table with me. And I just went there and dropped my books off. And I have one of the very first tables when you're coming into the um, Sedona Performance Center is where it's being held out in West Sedona. Mm-hmm. And why don't you bring some of your books and we'll hang out at the table and meet some of the people that uh, come into this conference. I mean, that's a wonderful offer. I'd love to. I ordered some copies just in the off chance that while I'm up there, someone might w- would like to see my book. But uh, I don't think they're going to be here till after the event, unfortunately. Uh, but I'll definitely come hang out with you at the table, bring a few cards or something. And uh, yeah, we'll still talk to people. Appreciate the offer. Yeah. If the, if the mail worked a little bit faster, you know, then maybe I'd have gotten them in time, but yeah. e- either way, I'll, I'll have a bunch of books at contact. So, Oh, good, good, good. And I'm a speaker there and uh, they'll always give me a table and we'll throw some of your books up and hang out at my table there. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. Uh, you always have a huge table, all the books that you have. I think you, you were, you were paired with a uh, David Childress last time you guys, yeah. he's got, he's got so many books from me. He's got so many books. Yeah, no, it, it affected my sales cause he had so many to choose from. And while I have uh, over a dozen, including five of Leo Lyons Agami's books and uh, Michael Jaco's new book, Intuitive Warrior. He's also a speaker here at uh, the Sedona Ascension Retreat. We had, had him on Monday. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like you guys had a great uh, talk together. Yeah, it was a really good show. We talked about uh, well, remote viewing, remote influencing, a couple of things like that. So it was a fun show. I mean, there. the thing about, I think Jim Mars said it best. He said, I'm kind of like you. I'm a generalist. And he said, I think that there aren't a lot of generalists left. And he said, that's why I like coming on your show. I consider you a generalist too, Brad. And I mean that as a compliment. I mean, your books cover virtually everything. And uh, that's the kind of thing. You're the kind of person I like talking to because we can go from (laughs) Nazi bases, if you will, uh, to health, to, uh, you know, a global uh, authoritarian police state, to, uh, you know, the moon might not be that real. Uh, Alan Butler, David Icke kind of stuff. We can go anywhere, all over the place. Yeah, we sure can. And the other term for it was uh, my very first contact in the desert uh, guy was looking at my book and he had come to my talk and he goes, oh, you're a big picture guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, big picture guy. Yeah. Yeah, you get the big picture. And that's when uh, all the machinations of this neo-fascist agenda start becoming really painfully clear. And like you, Ryan, none of us want to see this happen. But you can read the writing on the wall here and look, just because we've gone through a 9-11, we've gone through the Kennedy assassination that were clearly false flags. And the, the, the real definition of, of a coup d'etat, which is what the Kennedy assassination was, that any preceding government is a form of deception and is illegitimate. So we have really been living under an illegitimate government for over 60 years. And this is the problem we have now. Well, it'll be 60 years in uh, November when Kennedy was assassinated. And you have this government that comes in, starts the Vietnam War under Johnson, and starts going back to the old agenda. So anytime you get a free thinking and a constitutionalist president or politician, they get taken out one by one. And it's not just Kennedy. It was Wellstone. It was even Sonny Bono, who was going to open up the um, Waco massacre. He was warned not to do it. 
And he died up at my favorite ski resort, Heavenly, California. I know the exact spot where he died in under mysterious circumstances. He appeared to have been uh, ran into a tree, but he ran into it backwards because he had the signs of a blow to the back of his head with blood bleeding down his back. That sounds like he got Vince Fostered. He got Vince Fostered, yeah. <laughs> Suicided. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that. Uh, that does indeed happen. Uh, it's not just in movies. Uh, I like uh, the movie 2012. There's a scene with Woody Harrelson. I don't know if you remember that when they're in, the, they're, uh, in Yellowstone in the trailer. And uh, John Cusack's character says, he's like, you couldn't cover all this up. You know, people would, you know, get the word out if there was a big conspiracy like this. And Woody Harrelson said, well, yeah, you know, I mean, and he pulls down this chart and he's got all these newspaper articles. He's like, this person was trying to expose that they died mysteriously, died mysteriously, died mysteriously. And that's what I always think of Woody Harrelson pulling down that chart and showing that, well, all these deaths that just seem coincidental sometimes they're accidental are actually hits. It happens in the in the real world. It's not just a mob movie. You go against this cabal, and if they have blackmail on you, they'll use that as a way to get you in line. That's like a social assassination. You, they can do that as well, embarrass you or cut off your funding so you can't run for re-election. Remember the uh, African-American woman who uh, spoke out against the, the whole money uh, and, and they got, they got rid of her the next term. Uh, and it also goes with celebrities. You get celebrities that begin to speak out. For example, Prince was going on national talk shows and speaking about geoengineering and chemtrails. And he was very passionate about it. Then he dies a couple months later. Uh, Michael Jackson was going to go on this big tour to London and in his rehearsals, he was also talking about uh, the pedophilia in, in Hollywood. And, of course, he was accused of that himself. But uh, he was probably trying to clear his name. But uh, he also died under somewhat mysterious circumstances. So they'll get you if you're in the public eye. They feel if, if they have promoted you to this position, politician, entertainer, uh, even judges or chiefs of police, that they – that you owe them. And if you go against their program and they warn you and you still do it, then you may have just signed your own death warrant. I, I think I actually have that clip of Prince saying something to that effect. Let me try to play it here. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if you can hear it, but let's see if I can get it to go. And we live in a place now that feels just about like a plantation. Yeah. All can, can you hear that? I don't think you can because it's on the same line. I did not. You did not. Okay. Oh, I'm going to yeah, I'm going to play it here for the audience here. It's just a few seconds. All indentured servants. You know, um, when I found out there were eight presidents before George Washington, I wanted to smack somebody. You know, I wanted to know why I was taught otherwise. Just tell me the whole story. I'll fill in the blanks. There he's, that was an old bumper I used. He was talking about uh, how there were actual presidents before George Washington. And he said, just tell me the whole story. I'll fill in the blanks. That's just one of many Prince clips. But you're right. Yes, Prince was one of many who uh, had spoken out in that way. And I mean, a, another good example would be like in contemporary times, uh, you have well actors like Chris Pratt. I mean, he does Guardians of the Galaxy. He got big from Parks and Recreation and everybody loved him. He was, like, you know, a, one of the hottest guys and he's a good actor. And then suddenly people find out he has an American flag shirt and he loves America 
and he also is a Christian, and then suddenly Chris Pratt doesn't matter anymore. That's just weird. Mm. You don't even have to be a Christian to think, why is Hollywood so opposed to people like that? Like an American who's a Christian? I don't, I don't understand. Hollywood's in America. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, but try going to Hollywood sometimes. I call it Holly weird. Uh, it is like being in another country or another planet. Southern California is so different than Northern California, which is so different than other states like Nevada, where I've moved to, that uh, you kind of feel that there is an agenda. Well, first of all, everybody down there seems to have some kind of agenda or they're an actor. Or you could see their their uh, modeling sheet that they give you at, uh, as a waiter and all these jobs that they do down there. But, uh, hey, everybody's trying to make their way in the world. But uh, in Hollywood, it's a different mix because it's certainly controlled in many different ways. And we've heard how the CIA is would finance projects and movies. For example, that movie Argo was, was all CIA funded. Even the, uh, the lead actor in that went on to say that they were consulting with the FBI or the, with the CIA and how to uh, – bring this movie out in such a way that it made the agency look good and how they burned the Iranians and based on a true story. But every time you hear based on, well, that means there is liberties that are taken with truth uh, to make a real true story out of something is, is very difficult for Hollywood to do. It seems because they like to put their spin on things and no movie really gets released, at least not in the main distribution channels in Hollywood, unless it's toeing the line, unless it's one of these uh, studio productions that has money behind it and can get it out to all the movie theaters. However, you're starting to see independent movies. Uh, people are just wanting that kind of film nowadays. They want art to not propaganda. More of art instead of propaganda, but people respond to that. And just not that I watched the Academy Awards, but I just saw a meme that the four leading uh, actors and uh, sub actors won the Academy Awards were all indie films, which is interesting. So it's moving away from the uh, the corporate controlled movie making into a more organic, which is what people want and why they're turning away more and more from say Netflix and going over to alternative media and getting their information from uh, YouTube channels or other shows like the secret teachings that are really getting more and more popular every year. I was talking to a friend of mine who he actually is a famous, I guess you could say, caller into Clyde Lewis's Ground Zero, but he's been on The Secret Teachings a lot because he enjoys this show. Uh, he's a friend of mine, Derek Murphy. And uh, Derek is, um, he, in, he informed me because he's big into the comic book worlds and, uh, you know, all that. And he was, and it's, it's confirmable. He just told me this and I went and looked it up, uh, you know, like Jack Kirby who did, I think it's Jack Kirby who did The Eternals. And I can't remember the other guy's name who did some of these recent superhero movies. Uh, they were inspired by Zachariah Sitchin. They were inspired by late night radio to, to make these films. Now, personally, I don't necessarily think the super superhero films are good. I think it's way too much CG. It's not enough uh, movie making and actual film production. I went to film school, so I have a, you know, a, a thing there that I have an issue with, but you know, the inspiration is coming from people like us. It's coming from, you know, you as an audience, the stuff that you're interested in. Uh, and that is actually fueling a lot of Hollywood, but then, 
there's another kind of influence, more so what we're talking about, which I also don't know if I told you this, Brad. In film school, we learned about how the Pentagon influences Hollywood. That was one of the things we learned in one of our classes, and they have to approve scripts. And, um, you know, like for we, we were learned about Transformers and for Transformers, the movies to be made with all the battleships and the aircraft carriers. They had to get a signature from the Pentagon that said you can shoot these things and we want you to put this or that inside the script and put this in the in the movie. Um, you know, just on the outside looking in, there's that kind of influence. But when you go deeper, um, Rain Wilson, the actor from The Office who played Dwight Schrute, he just recently, like two days ago, said that there's a and I don't know what his beliefs are. I think I thought he was like an atheist. He said there's a super anti-Christian element in Hollywood. They like they despise God. And, you know, I, again, I'm not a Christian per se. Uh, but I wonder why these people are so opposed to the concept of God or the opposed to the concept of America. I can't help but think it has something to do with liberty and independence uh, and, and freedom out from underneath of their oppressive control or whatever it is that they think they are or whatever they is, th- is they think they're doing. Does that make sense? I think that's why they hate the idea of God and they hate the idea of America and they hate the idea of both those things together. Well, and it's also pushing this uh, LGBTQ agenda and normalizing what never would have made it into movies or television uh, just a few decades ago is now pretty commonplace. I, I think they like to shake up the status quo and get us to think that uh, there are other ways to do it. But there's also the whole Crowley uh, mystique as well as philosophy that has entered into Hollywood. It's do art thou will mm. and get people to think we don't need a God. We are the gods. We can act like gods and do whatever we want. And so Hollywood definitely perpetuates that notion too. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I call it Bollywood, but not like, uh, that Bollywood. I think, uh, B A A L Y would Bollywood. <laughs> Because I feel like from Balenciaga to Bali, I call her Bali Eilish, Billy Eilish. That's really what's being personified. It's like they're conjuring uh, these demonic or whatever you want to call them concepts. Uh, I don't know what the word would be to use, but that's what it seems like uh, from from my vantage point. There seems to be an influence of that in a lot of things. Um, and that's a cultural thing that that we could analyze. It's probably not really worth spending time on that today. But just generally speaking, everything we've we've discussed Uh, That whole idea of Hollywood and Silicon Valley, this driving force, it's in America, but it's really not America because the funding for Hollywood and the funding for Silicon Valley, it's either coming from foreign dictatorships, places like communist China, or it's coming from intelligence agencies. So it's not really American per se. It's really a bunch of special interests. Yeah. And and it's overseas special interests too. So you have to understand that China certainly has a say and they own several studios in Hollywood. And like our, our friend Jordan Maxwell would always say that uh, they create magic, the magic kingdom of Disney world mm. or Hollywood. Holly was the wood of a magician's uh, little toy, just as you saw in Fantasia, their, their stick. So the Hollywood is a magician's trick just in the same way that we turn on a television and we go through the channels, like we're channeling. And it's a broadcast. Yeah, a broadcast. 
programming our mind. So television has absolutely been hijacked. So has the movies. Only the alternative media on the internet and these alternative movies that are coming out and finally getting some recognition are are worth my time at all. I, I can't even think of the last movie I saw. It must have been pre-COVID. I just have no interest anymore. That's. I mean, I've been to a few movies here or there. Most of them kind of were were terrible. Some ind- more independent movies. Uh, and I feel the same way you do. I just, and I went to film school too, Brad, and I just can't get into anything that's in the theaters. I end up just going back and watching old TV shows or, you know, I have a bunch of DVDs from film school. I just go back and watch that stuff. But I I think in the beginning of your beyond esoteric book, just in the introduction, uh, this is the kind of thing that I like to start a lot of my shows out with by defining, uh, certain words and concepts and you define certain fallacies like appeal to ridicule. Uh, that you call this the, uh, or the contextomy, uh, which is basically taking a quote out of context, the straw man argument, all these fallacies, that's a, that in and of itself is a language. And that's an important language for us to learn because so much of what we interact with is based on fallacy. So much of what we know is, is based on this fallacy. And, and, and I also put in, in the media madness and the media manipulation chapter in future esoteric about how they put in, it was Obama in 2012, put in the NDAA rider, just one of many ways that they watered down the truth in media. In the 1950s, there were laws on the book, truth in advertising, truth in media, truth in news reporting. They have since watered it down to the point where they can legally propagandize and legally lie to the public and get away with it. And so people really have to understand that they are not held accountable anymore, that the news you see is as much of a fantasy as as watching uh, some fictional movie. It's really gotten that bad. (laughs) I mean, even I guess depending on what movie you're watching, some of those movies, if they're based on something real, might be more realistic than the news you're watching. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean, like Stranger Things is based on the Montauk Project officially that there's more truth in that movie than there is in the news, the news at night or those those, that TV show rather. Yeah. And then you get movies like the Philadelphia Experiment, which is mostly true, but then they'll hide some of the real uh, secrets they don't want us to know. And at at these conferences, Ryan, you've been to several with me. I've been to a bunch. And we play the game, can you spot the mole? Because every one of these conferences, they will send somebody to come and listen to all the talks and report back to their superiors at one of these alphabet agencies. So we always play the spot the mole game. And they're usually really obvious. You tell, especially here in Sedona, where everybody's so new age and into all this stuff and then you get some suit from the Pentagon kind of guy. <laughs> and so the the saying is they come to these conferences, especially the UFO minded conferences, not for what they hear. They come for what they don't hear. Meaning they're looking to us as to see how far advanced our thinking has come and those presenters who are up on stage in their material how advanced they are and maybe what secrets they're revealing. And if they're not going into uh, some of the forbidden areas, then uh, they just let them go. It it was a question I got on Coast to Coast one of the first times I was on with George Knapp. 
uh, for future esoteric. And he said, well, if you think that they're coming down on the media so much, how are they allowing coast to coast to be on? And it does occur to me that they do allow a certain degree of truth come through, but there are filters that it goes through. And you can't really speak as freely as we are here on The Secret Teachings on uh, some of these syndicated radio and TV shows. And I've been on several of the big uh, TV shows as well, and they just present you with your talking points. They're going to say, well, we're going to pose this as a question, and we want you to answer very authoritarian uh, with your answer. But uh, the the answers that they script are the ones that make it into the show. So, for example, if you go off script and say, well, this is a little bit more interesting if you look at it this way, it'll end up on the cutting room floor. I know from experience that uh, you really cannot deviate from the script that they present. I interviewed a guy named Mike Lebecki. Have you ever heard of him? I recognize the name. I I don't think I've met him. He's kind of like you. He's a traveler. Uh, I think I haven't talked to him for a very long time, but he took his daughter uh, uh, rock climbing and they went to, I think he's been to Antarctica as well. He's traveled all over the world. And I interviewed him probably eight years ago and we did a show on the Yeti because he was on the Discovery Channel for a Yeti documentary or something like that. And in the documentary, they had, you know, he went to, uh, he went to, uh, well, he went to Russia and some other places and they were showing him, I think he even went to where the, uh, what was that called? The Otlov Pass incident, maybe. Long story short, though, uh, and anyway, into the point, he came on the show and we were talking to him about that documentary, my friend Mike and I, Mike is our co-host, and he said, he's like, let me just be honest with you. He's like, the Discovery Channel was was very nice and they they paid me and they took care of me. And he's like, I don't think they were, they didn't try to do anything deceptive, but the whole documentary was, he's like, it's completely fabricated. They made up all the noises. They just had someone stand uh, over by a tree and took a picture that was supposed to be the Yeti. He's like, literally the whole thing was staged. He said, so it's nothing against the Discovery Channel per se. He's like, there's some good people there and good work that they do. But he's like, it was just basically a script that we read and we shot it. It was like a movie. It was made up. It wasn't real. Just kind of reminded me of that when, with what you said. Yeah. And when you look at it in that context, that everything is scripted, including this political show that we're watching, it kind of comes into a bigger perspective. This, this big picture uh, idea that, that they have control over all the ways to shape the narrative in this country. That is through the media, through politicians, and through other meaningless things such as sports. Where does that ever get you if you study statistics and, and follow sporting events? It gets you nowhere, and that is the point. They don't want you going anywhere with this because the narrative is the most important thing that they protect over anything else. They want to tell us the world that we're living in. Do you remember the uh, CIA director, William Colby? He sat down at the first chief of staff meeting with Ronald Reagan and his whole uh, team that came in. And he said famously, or rather infamously, we'll know our disinformation campaigns are successful when everything the American people believe is false. So that's what we're up against. We're pretty close to that right now, aren't we? Inversion. Now, yeah. 
So when people start to realize that we have just been hoodwinked on just about everything that's important to us and what is important to us has been flipped around and inverted, then you can start getting an idea of what is real and what is not. For example, when you're on uh, the social media and whatever it is that the fact checkers are all over you about or what you're getting censored for, yeah, you're, you're touching on something that goes against that dominant narrative. And they'll come down on you and censor you and, and take people's channels away. And, and you and I have both suffered from s- these forms of censorship. Think about social media in the context of those late night radio shows or just TV shows and things that are staged. And, you know, even even if something's kind of staged and organized so it, it sounds good, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's like fake. You know, you want to make sure your, the quality of the show is good. Everybody knows where they're going. That's not censorship. That's just organization, of course. But when you apply that same thing to social media, I ask the same question to people. Why is it you think that these companies can rip down uh, PayPal and Airbnb and like Kanye West loses his bank account? They can just dump people in an instant. How come they can't get rid of the uh, some of these so-called conspiracy theories on social media? They allow them, in fact, to proliferate. And I, when I say conspiracy theories, I mean things that are more so along the lines of um, real theories. They're not, I mean, it might be based on something real, but like something that's more of a theory that isn't really provable. It's just an idea. There's a lot of that on social media. And those people believe that they have this alternative truth or whatever the case is. And a lot of that, I think, Brad, is really just an alternative narrative that is being allowed by the social media companies because it's another form of disinformation or another form of misdirection or distraction. That's anyway, that's, that's my view on it. Oh, I think you're spot on Ryan. And a good example is uh, the flat earth theory. How come there's no fact checkers that ever jump in on that? Or why don't you lose a channel if, if you're a, a flat earther, it just never happens. And to anyone who has traveled to Antarctica, such as I have, or, been around the world and knowing that you go in one direction, you end up in the same place, that uh, we do live in a spherical planet. It's quite provable. But if you were to promote this in such a way that you're getting it out there uh, to thousands of followers, that doesn't get taken down. Now, it's really interesting with Flat Earth. I've been doing some some deep dives on this and, and getting some additional information about how this whole thing came about. Because remember about 15 years ago, nobody ever talked about that. Came out of nowhere. Came out of nowhere. Well, I got some, we'll call it a scoop here on the secret teachings, some new information. It basically came through DARPA, that they were producing these very slick videos 10, 15 years ago. And I've seen them and so have you. And you kind of scratch your head and think, well, gosh, maybe we could be living on this plane and uh, there is this firmament overhead. And But that's a word used in the Bible. So I have done some uh, follow the money. You can't make sense of the story. The old uh, journalist Adage, follow the money. And in this case, the money came from the Jesuits. And the Jesuits Love the whole concept of flat earth. Why? Because it's in the Bible. It was a flat earth and they use words like the firmament uh, to get us arguing over something that is ridiculous to make ourselves look bad. And so 
when we do that, when we just argue with ourselves, they win because we're not digging into their uh, skeletons in the closet, so to speak, and getting into the real depth of how much the Jesuits have influenced not only Western civilization, but the founding of this country as well. And I'm going to have to send you this really great video uh, by Walter Veith going into how the mysterious man who showed up around the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Are you aware of that? That there was this. Yes, Manley Hall wrote about that. Yeah, Manley Hall did write about it. Well, this Walter Veith video, it's called From Crete to Malta. He goes into the whole concept that it was none other than the uh, general of the Jesuits who uh, faked his own death and imprisonment where there's no way a guy of this power would do that. And it's quite possible in this lecture, if you watch it, uh, that it was the uh, superior general of the Jesuits and his name was Ricky. And he was the mystery man. It was not an alien. It was not, uh, (laughs) but a very well-to-do gentleman with a European accent shows up with uh, all the the founding fathers and and shouts out, America is meant to be free, and was very instrumental in getting wording such as freedom of religion into the Constitution, mainly because they didn't want the Catholic Church to be left out, because America was primarily founded by deists, who are the founding fathers. Those who came over here were Protestants, fleeing the persecution of the church and of their country, such as the pilgrims and the Quakers. They were these religious orders that had broken away and were a Protestant in nature. So America was this great Protestant dream. And there was no way that the Catholics were going to get left out of that. And so they sent this guy, Ricky, the uh, superior general. And isn't it interesting that they use a military term and the Jesuits are ordered in such a way that uh, they are um, act such as a military like order. Like soldiers? That's right. Do you, know, do you know about Edward Smith and the Titanic and the Jesuits? Uh, no, not sure. Oh, this, this would be something really interesting for you to look at. Uh, I'm pretty sure there might've been a book written on it, but I remember reading this a long time ago and I've confirmed all this. Well, when I read it originally, like 2012 or 13, you can individually confirm some of these pieces, but I'm pretty sure Edward Smith, I, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure Edward Smith, the captain of the Titanic was a Jesuit, or at least he, he had Jesuit influence. Uh, there were, there was actually a, a famous Jesuit, uh, father, Frank Brown, who was on the Titanic reportedly to take pictures of the voyage and uh, outside of that Jesuit connection, or maybe part of that Jesuit connection uh, would be uh, the company white star line. Uh, I believe that was the name of it. And this is all off memory, Brad. So excuse me if I get any of this wrong Uh, white star line. And uh, that was JP Morgan's company. And JP Morgan had a big suite at the top of the Titanic, like at the, the, the higher levels And at the last minute, he decided, I'm not going to go on the maiden voyage, which is weird for basically an investor and owner of the company. He said, I'm not going to do it. I'm backing out. And there just so happened to be, again, this is from memory, so I might be incorrect on some of the names, the the three major uh, financial economic 
uh, uh, anti-supporters, let's call them, of the Federal Reserve Act uh, were on that ship. And the idea is that J.P. Morgan, who was a big proponent of the Federal Reserve Act, uh, they had the ship sunk, uh, and the captain intentionally drove the ship into the uh, into the iceberg, and that the ship itself going down and all the people that died was really a cover-up for the assassination of these three powerful investors who were opposed, who had a lot of influence, but who were opposed to the Federal Reserve Act. Might be one of the biggest literal murder conspiracy cover-ups in the history of the United States. Just something really interesting. Oh, yeah. And I'll just add to that, Ryan. Uh, one of those three investors was Astor. That's right. Astor. Yes. Yeah. Very, very wealthy individual at the time. He went down with the ship. Remember, they only had enough lifeboats for women and children. So all the gentlemen had to go down with the ship. Well, they did. a. Remember when they went down there in the mini sub and they finally discovered it uh, was right around the time the movie Titanic came out. And very interesting revelations from what the the actual Titanic on the bottom of the ocean appeared, and that is the metal flared out, not inward as if it hit an iceberg, but flared out as if a bomb was Mm. detonated as soon as he got close enough to an iceberg to make it look like that. Not only that, but there had been a twin ship exactly like the Titanic called the Olympic. And the Olympic was doing uh, some movements in Belfast Harbor where they were both made in Ireland. And the Olympic uh, struck another ship and was badly damaged to the point where it looked like it was going to be a loss. So this is the other trick that uh, J.P. Morgan played because he had been a big investor of the, uh, the what was it, the White White line? Star Line or White Star Line Star. Lines. Yeah. And so they switched names. And actually, the ship that went down was the Olympic. And so when this mini sub went down there, they had just uh, painted over the name, which has since worn off. You can see some of the letters that would spell Olympic, but not Titanic on that ship. So it was one of the biggest false flags, as you said, that changed the course of this country because then the biggest opponents to the Federal Reserve Act which would come out in a couple years, uh, were taken off the picture. And of course, J.P. Morgan missed the boat that day. He was the one who was going to get there together with all of them, and they were going to talk about the merits of of this Federal Reserve system. But J.P. Morgan missed the boat. And the funny thing is, and I again, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but we'll just go to the internet to make sure I'm right. Abraham Lincoln. When did Abraham Lincoln die? Uh, let's just type it in so we can get a a, a minute by minute, second by second a confirmation. April fifteenth, eighteen sixty five, yeah. and then let's check out the sinking of the Titanic. Uh, what date that was? Sinking Titanic, and just bear with me. Uh, sinking of the Titanic. The date of that was. Let me go back. April fifteenth, nineteen twelve. So it was the anniversary uh, of Abraham Lincoln's assassination. Which, interestingly enough, Abraham Lincoln was also an opponent of the international or the domestic banking cartels, just like John F. Kennedy was. I find that really interesting because April 15th and the mid part of April, the Ides of April, is actually a very, very significant 
There's a lot of significant parts of the year, but a very significant part of the year on the witch's calendar. It's a time in which we, we sacrifice the old and we bring in the new. So it's a very ritualistic ceremonial time of the year, kind of like a spring cleaning type thing. Uh, for some, they, they do a lot more horrific things in spring cleaning, but that just is, that baffles me. I find that to be not coincidental, especially considering all the powerful people uh, that were on the Titanic and presumably were, were shot. Uh, they were, maybe they were strangled. They were just locked below deck or whatever, but I imagine that they were killed. They made sure they were executed and then, and then the ship went down, whether it hit an iceberg or a bomb went off. Well, when that ship goes down, if you're not on a life raft, you're, uh, life expectancy in that frigid water is less than five minutes. You'll die of hypothermia right away. Uh, so I don't even think they needed to really shoot anybody. If they go down with the ship, they're done. Well, true, true. But I, I would imagine these, these psychopaths would want to make sure they want to see it with their own eyes. That, that person dead. Yeah. Uh, John, you said, uh, you said Astor, right? John Astor. Yeah. John Astor. I got the other two names, Issa Strauss, uh, Strauss and Benjamin Guggenheim. Those are the three names on the ship. And it was White Star Line yep. uh, that J.P. Morgan owned. Yeah. Didn't think we'd get into this tonight, but <laughs> that's a fun topic, huh? We're talking big picture here, Ryan. We're looking at all these things from every angle and learning that everything is a rich man's trick. And that's a great documentary about how it's all a money operation. And those with the wealth, they create the rule. That That's the real golden rule. The rule is he who has the gold creates the rules. And these folks uh, have just gamed the system to the point where they really own everything. Um, You look at follow the money once again, it all leads to these big investment firms, BlackRock and Vanguard. And then who owns BlackRock and Vanguard? Vanguard owns BlackRock, BlackRock (laughs) owns Vanguard, and you never really know. And they protect their investors' privacy. So you can have this uh, puppet master behind the scenes pulling the strings, making it look like uh, that that we have the will of the people and the markets are free. It's anything but. It's all manipulated and it's all scripted, too. I think that, you know, there's certainly a lot of ways to look at this. So like if you look at the idea of, of a lot of really powerful, wealthy people that have all this control and influence, it's a very real thing. You're going to find that in any society, especially in a very uh, oppressive society like communist China. Communism doesn't get rid of evil capitalists. It just creates less capitalists and a lot of really powerful, rich people. They get to tell you how to live your lives. It's worse than the exploitation of capitalism. Uh, but when you look at that idea, like I, I want people to have wealth, Brad. I want people to have you know jobs. I want people to have whatever things they want in their lives. Personally, I'm kind of a minimalist, but I want people to have that abundance and have that choice. These people don't want you to have abundance. They don't want you to have choice. They want the abundance, they want the choice, and they want to make decisions for how you live your life. So it's not bad necessarily, depending on your philosophy, uh, of having money or having things. It's really, one, how you use it, which is kind of the Shinto practice in, practice in Japan. In Shinto, it's okay to have material things so long as what you're acquiring uh, allows you to better worship the ancestral spirits, the kami, uh, or the spirits of the land, etc., but when you use it for nefarious purposes, that's when these kinds of things can become very, very negative, dark, evil, choose to call it, call it whatever you will. Yeah, and this is what the uh, World Economic for us, not for them, it's for them, for us, 
they want to own everything because when they say you'll own nothing and be happy, well, you got to scratch your head and say, well, then who's going to own everything? Oh, you guys. Oh, okay. And, and you want us to own nothing and somehow be happy. And we'll about be happy. It. Yeah. They even dictate our happiness. You will be happy. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're dealing with uh, the worst form of fascism that is creeping into our everyday lives. And we're dealing with psychopaths who are these uh, these owners of this invisible empire that can pull the, the strings and the machinations of government and make the puppets do their bidding. It's just the worst form of 1984, as we said in the first hour, that Orwell could ever imagine. Well, it's like Ronald Reagan said, when fascism comes to America, it will come in the guise of liberalism. And George Carlin said something similar to that. I think George Carlin's quote is even more profound, especially because of all the pop culture stuff and the memes. George Carlin said, when fascism comes to America, it will not be in brown and black shirts. It will not be with jackboots. It will be Nike sneakers and smiley face shirts. Smiley, smiley, smiley fascism. That's how fascism comes to America. And I can't help but think with all the rainbows and glitter and all the emojis kind of sounds what George, what George Carlin was talking about. He was a prophet too. And isn't it interesting that he died from fast moving cancer and left us uh, quite prematurely too, just like Bill Hicks. That's right. That cut a little too close to the bone. Yes, sir. That's, that's right. Uh, here's another example. Um, I don't think Henry Ford was a good guy, but Henry Ford was a, capitalist who wanted to make a lot of money. And he also wanted uh, his workers to be paid well enough so they could purchase his product. So that's where the Model T car came from in the early 1900s, 1908. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's not a good guy necessarily, but um, there's a there's a difference between Henry Ford saying, I want you to make a lot of money so I can make even more money. And the people that say, I don't want you to own anything. Uh, I'm just going to have all the money and screw you. There's a, there's a little bit of a difference there between those two forms of uh, wealthy elitism. Well, and then you have uh, John D. Rockefeller, the first billionaire in this country, to say, I don't want a nation of thinkers. I want a nation of workers. And then he is one of the leading financiers of all the medical colleges and of universities. Now, doesn't that contradict uh, him wanting a nation of workers and not having a bunch <laughs> of thinkers? So, yeah, you see how they invert everything and turn it around to their advantage. I, I think you, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you talked about the Flexner report in one of your books. Do you recall that? Uh, vaguely, but I'm not sure I had that in my book. What is that? I mean, I ask you that because, you know, I have my books and sometimes I see things in my books I forgot I put in there, honestly. Uh, but uh, the Flexner Report was a report that was conducted with money, with financing from the Rockefellers, and it sent out basically kind of like um, kind of like reporters, if you will, to the different medical schools and universities. And it introduced them to this idea of, um, uh, well, Rockefeller medicine. And hey, if you support this, we will give you a lot of money. But right. the thing is, if you take this money, you have to implement a licensing, a licensing system and the only way people can get the license is if they follow our doctrine uh, and do what we tell them you know, to do, believe what they, we tell them to believe. So that'll be petroleum-based medicines and drugs and chemotherapy and chemicals. And that's basically what the Flexner Report is. 
Right. And yeah, I'm, I'm well aware of how they influenced the medical industry, the allopathic medicine, uh, which is based on pharmaceutical products. And what did John D. Rockefeller make his money in? Oh, oil mm-hmm. and petroleum. And what did they do to all the holistic doctors who had been using these age-old practices of using herbs and other natural remedies? They marginalized them and called them quacks and basically broke the back on the oldest medical system using homeopathic remedies that's ever existed. And only now is it starting to make a comeback because people have seen what a disaster this allopathic medicine model has been. What do you think about the the state of modern medicine and health? I feel as if, like everything else, the the goodness that, that does exist in it. There are certainly good doctors, nurses, etc. They might be misled, but there are certainly good people, a lot of good people. What do you think about uh, modern medicine in the sense of like we talked about earlier the sabotage of industry? I feel like all of this is is being sabotaged. In fact, there was a more to the point. There was a a panel of former Obama and Bush executives. CNN reported this, and they were saying because of the terrible CDC performance during the pandemic, we need to just completely overhaul the American medical system. The CDC doesn't have enough authority authority in individual states like Florida, so we just need to overhaul it and give total control to both the CDC and the World Health Organization, just override individual state sovereignty, and uh, let them make the decisions at the highest levels of government around the world because they're intelligent. They know what's going on. And this whole idea of having individual states and having a, a system that, uh, you know, isn't centralized, completely centralized uh, in our hands anyway, uh, that doesn't work. So I think that the whole medical system, COVID-19, really helped to undermine it intentionally. There's all, there's all kinds of holes in it, but I think they wanted to undermine it to bring it down so they could build something back on its ashes. Well, yeah. And of course, this is how they implement the New World Order agenda. And if It goes through the United Nations, this world government body, and uh, the the WHO and the CDC, which are tons of private funding, goes into them. They're not even real government organizations. If they are given the opportunity to pull off another pandemic, then yeah, they are going to lock us down much worse than the last time. And this will be their justification for putting us into this – new world order globalist system, one that we will not be able to escape from. So we're in a very narrow window of time right now, Ryan, where we really have to understand that they're coming at us and really tightening the screws. And we have to resist these plans that we've been talking about for the last two hours of these globalists to implement this uh, this new world order agenda. And it could very well be coming down the pike through these new ordinances that they override the sovereignty of countries. I've never heard a worse idea than this, especially in light of what we've seen with how manufactured this last pandemic was. And the problem is for them, it's a great idea. It means more power, more control, etc. So then, Brad, how do we, in your opinion, how do we resist that? Uh, what do we do to, to change the situation? I mean, in my opinion, before you answer that, I think a lot of it is mental. I think a lot of it is how we perceive things. A lot of it is context. But please go ahead. Tell us how, how you think uh, there's a, a way to kind of resist or how to respond to everything we've discussed. 
Well, you're exactly right, because the revolution is consciousness, and the revolution is the people waking up and rejecting this system, not using the CBDC, not going along with whatever next pandemic they're going to pull out, not wearing the masks again, not complying. This is how think people, thinkers like Martin Luther King shaped the, the civil rights movement. This is how Gandhi freed his country from the bonds of the British and its nonviolent resistance. And that is the only way we can do it because we can't go up against them with arms. They're well, much better militia than we have. And besides, that's not the nonviolent way. So the revolution is consciousness, and that's us waking up and us doing our best through our books, through this show, to help others understand this dilemma that we find ourselves facing. I think that's the only way out, Ryan. Well, Brad, your books probably can help people with that. I'm not saying they're self-help books, but there's so much information, so many things in your books that really could give people a, a little bit of context to certain things, maybe certain conspiracies or certain historical details uh, they're like history books mixed with a lot of other different types of uh, types of genres. I love uh, the esoteric book series. Tell us a little bit about these books quickly and uh, where listeners can get them. Well, it's modern esoteric, future esoteric, and beyond esoteric, all available on cccpublishing.com. Each one of those books is a standalone book. I don't repeat my information. But there's just so much that has been withheld from humanity, and that's the essence of what the word esoteric means is just knowledge to a select few. And I feel like we all have the right to know this. But it's like bringing a, a horse to water. You cannot force it to drink, but you can bring it there. You can make this information available, as you do with your very good books, and this show, The Secret Teachings. We're just putting our best foot forward, Ryan, and we're trying to get the information out there. But uh, the people who come to your show and read our books – they have to want to do that. They have to want to better themselves to uh, make the, the commitment to uh, buy a book and to read it. Uh, it is only going to be to your benefit. And I'd say right now we're in self-defense mode because they're coming at us full board. So you got to know what you're up against if you're going to even have a chance to counter it or defend yourself. So this information is vitally important at the most crucial time in human history for people to start realizing that those in power and those that are implementing these agendas do not have your best interests at heart. They're working against the people and we have to band together and just show a backlash. So yeah, I welcome people to uh, come to the conferences I speak at. I'm almost always at my book table if I'm not hearing another talk. And I just want people to really understand this predicament that we're in and hopefully collectively together we'll find a way out. Yes, Brad. And that's really my intention here on the show too. I think this is why we've uh, connected so much over the years is because when I, when I do this radio show, I don't have well, I don't have sponsors. I don't have people tell me what I can or can't do. I've actually experienced that on some radio stations, but you know, I'm independent. Now I'm with Aftermath Media, but I 
can do anything and everything that I'd like to do on the secret teachings. I let my intuition guide me to the next subject, the next guest, etc. I try not to plan things too consciously. I let the intuition guide me, as I said, or spirit or soul, whatever you call it. And I just want this to be a platform for people to hear new things. And I don't necessarily expect you to believe them because there are certain things I talk about. I don't know if I believe them or if that's even the right word to use in any context. I just want to have a discussion. I want to sometimes have a debate. And when we can do that, that allows us to see other perspectives, other people's point of view. And we need a little bit of everything uh, to obtain the necessary context so that we can understand any given situation that we're in. Uh, and if it's a bad situation, how to get out of it. That's what the secret teachings is all about. Plus, of course, we we take the esoteric and the occult and we apply it to contemporary times as well. The esoteric book series by Brad Olson, Future, Modern and Beyond Esoteric. Uh, Brad, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, it's always my pleasure, Ryan. We always have such great conversations and I can't believe two hours went by as quick as they did. Yeah, they go by so, so fast. We even skipped two of the breaks too and it still went by fast. <laughs> so anyway, I'll see you this weekend. If anybody's going to be in Sedona, you can come by the event center. Where is that event center? Where's your table going to be? It's out in uh, West Sedona, just pretty close to the edge of town around the high school in the Sedona Performing Arts Center. And my table is one of the very first when you enter into the theater and uh, you'll see my books out on display and uh, I'm giving my talk on Sunday at noon. So Sunday invite at noon. on Sunday to hear my talk. Well, well, if you, if you like Brad Olson and you like me, uh, then I'll be at that talk. So you can come say hi to both of us. Otherwise Brad will just be around the conference. Like I will, I don't have a table of course, but I'll be around the, uh, the conference. Uh, so that'll be fun. And of course we'll, uh, you'll be back on the show before then I assume, but uh, we'll both be at contact in the desert as well. Uh, in Palm Springs in a few months, too. That'll be fun. Yep. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, Brad, again, thank you so much. The Esoteric Book Series, uh, everybody knows where they can get it. Uh, you have any final commentary, anything that you might have missed you want to clean up real quick? I like to give guests uh, an opportunity to do that or anything else you'd like to say to the audience. No big deal if not. Oh, just that if people want to uh, check out where I'm going to appear uh, at different conferences throughout the year, including Contact in the Desert, uh, go to cccpublishing.com for my books or to go to bradolson.com for the conferences I'm at. And sometimes I have uh, promo codes uh, on the website that people can get a discounted ticket. For example, at the Sedona Ascension Retreat, you can use the promo code BRAD10 to get 10% off. And there are still some tickets available. If I do BRAD100, is it free? Yeah, <laughs> right. 100% off. It's 100% off. All right. Well, again, thank you, Brad. Uh, really appreciate it. I'll see you this weekend and uh, stay safe and uh, stay sane. Hey, thanks so much, Ryan. We'll see you this weekend. All right. Sounds good. All right. There he goes. Brad Olson. Uh, the Esoteric Book Series, a fantastic series. Uh, if you already have my books, you're looking for something new, grab a copy of one of his books, Brad Olson, Future, Modern, and Beyond Esoteric. Or if you have his books, and you're just tuning in, you haven't heard of my show and my books before, check out my books, Occult Arcana, The Technological Elixir, and Liberty Shrugged, which is my newest book. The other books are uh, recently revised, uh, recently re-edited. Um, I'd say I'm not a professional publisher, but they're a lot more professionally published uh, than they were even a couple of years ago. I've you know, revised them and kind of edited them and made them a little bit better. And uh, there's a lot of really great information in those books as well. You can get them at thesecretteachings.info. That's www.thesecretteachings.info. 
teachings.info. How dare you? I don't know how she got in there. She keeps popping up. I also have some. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on. Go to the secret teachings.info. Grab a copy of one of the books. Subscribe at aftermath.media. And if you're in Sedona, come say hi to Brad Olson and myself and some of the other people there or contact in the desert or anywhere else uh, you find, uh, you know, people like Brad at an event www.thesecretteachings.info listen to the show for free stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy and as always we will talk to you on the next broadcast next Monday, Leo Zagami Tuesday, Laura Lavender and Wednesday and Thursday we'll have Andrew Cox from Nexus Occult Books tomorrow night because of the conference and all that I will be off air but we will have a replay in place of the show, something you might not have heard before. So stay tuned to Ground Zero Dot Radio. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings, excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable.